So, you know, the level of leanness that we're trying to achieve is very different. We have a specific timeline that you're getting on stage, um, you know, in this bikini, like we have to be ready. We have to be at a certain body fat um, and a certain look. So I think that that's really just what is different there. Um, and again, that's where you have to have that expectation with people up front. Like this is the expectation of what we're doing for a contest prep. Well, just on that, Lauren, like there has to be a difference between lifestyle fat loss and competition prep. Like they are not the same thing. And, and I think that's what gets really missed. It's like some people start losing weight and oh, I want to get on stage. It's like getting on stage is a multi-phase cycle. Like for some people it's fat loss, then it's building, then it's fat loss again. Like some people it's like it's building then fat loss. Rarely is it just pure fat loss for someone. And I think it's like, as you can tell, we're really touching base on like compliance, different strategies, relationship, behaviors, habits, all of those things are super important. And, and I like that you said, Lauren, you know, in there when they're not in a fat loss phase, it's like developing how, like getting them to, to learn how to eat an untracked meal and not binge, you know, cause that can be, that's for a lot of people. It's like, oh, I have an untracked meal. It's like, I'm going all in, you know, and then it's like completely blowing everything out of the water. Um, but you just can't do that in a contest prep. And that has, there has to be a line that has to separate them. Otherwise that's when you get people going, Oh, I'm going to do a, a competition. It's like, we actually not ready. And as a coach, it's really hard to tell someone, Hey, you're not ready. <laughs> like you're not going to be ready for a whole year because you need to do six months of building. Actually, you haven't even hit your first fat loss target to put you in a good position for building. And that's really, really tough. Like it's an awful, that's, that's the hard part of coaching. Um, but I think it has to be, it has to be really like separated, you know, to know what you're going into. Um, and yeah, you know, fat loss, for, pure fat loss, just, just to look good is so underrated. Like it's people just want to shoot for that end thing without doing what's in front of them. And like, and really just, you know, what, what most people really want. And, and myself was like, to just really love being in my body, like, and to be able to keep it at a, at a nice, I don't have to be shredded, but like a nice, a good amount of body fat. I feel comfortable in, I can eat a lot of food, train hard performance and then stay there. And I think that's actually almost harder, right. For a lot of people than doing a competition prep. Most people fall back on the competition prep because it's the only way they know how to, to lose weight. It's the only time they ever follow a process. That's when I think it's like, there's got to be some, uh, some work in that space around with, with some people's mindsets. I've had to completely relearn like how to just be a normal human. <laughs> Truly. Like the last year. I'm just not a robot. Like I, I'm not, I've never not had a goal, like whether it was a strength goal or a body fat goal or I'm getting on stage goal. So like my goal this year was to be flexible and to allow flexibility. And that takes so much skill. Like for somebody that has come from that competitive background, just being okay with changes and fluctuations and like, allowing yourself to go out. And I mean, something you just mentioned, Hattie, was some people need to learn how to have that untracked meal. Actually, Lauren, I think you said that. Um, but, you know, for someone that has been dieting their entire life, and maybe they do have a certain degree of metabolic adaptation and their calorie intakes are quite low, and maybe they have some hormones that are kind of not supporting, um, you know, that either. Um, it might be difficult for them to even do that because they're just so used to having all these restrictive boundaries about foods that they can and can't have. 
So, you know, just learning to be able to go out and have a burger and fries and not want to go back and have another burger and then eat everybody else's fries at the table. Like just <laughs> being, talking like, about me. <laughs> <laughs> Like that is a skill. Like truly, I have had to do so much work and just like, you know, it's okay to do this. And I'll give a really great example. Um, I have always had a really hard time with um, ice cream during contest prep. Um, It's probably my favorite dessert. I really like it. There's definitely lots of low calorie ice cream options available too. So I would still allow myself to have those like pretty frequently throughout a contest prep. Um, And then when I got done, you know, I'm reverse dieting out and now I'm kind of back to a point where I'm at good calories. And one day I kind of went to get like some ice cream and I'm like, why do I still want the whole freaking tub? Like what is wrong with me? I don't need to eat the whole tub. Why am I still thinking like this? But that's because that is such an ingrained behavior. It's such an ingrained like psychological thought about, you know, ice cream is a food that you can't have a lot of. It's going to interfere with your calories. You can't eat as much as you want, you know, or to your heart's content. So just taking the time and having patience with myself and allowing myself to have a few whoopsie moments like, okay, oops, today I uh, ate half the tub, but you know what? It's not the whole tub. So (laughs) (laughs) to redo like that wiring is challenging, you know? So yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, you're kind of throwing, I always say like it's trial by fire, right? Like nobody gets good at this without having a fuck up or 15. And as a coach, it's really hard because you want your clients to be successful and you know that this is what's going to make them more successful in the long run. But they are like, why am I doing this? Like, I just want to get past it. It's like, listen, I can, I can set you up with all of the right habits, all the right tools, but sometimes you're just going to have to do it and mess up. And then we reassess people. Why did this happen? What happened before? Are there easy things that we can change? Or again, is it just like a time thing? And I think that people have to be willing to make mistakes mm-hmm. and, you know, put themselves in those situations that are really hard. It's honestly the hardest thing, but the most rewarding thing that I've done as a coach. And the biggest thing that we've changed, you know, two years ago in, in our business and it's, it's been, I've had a lot of pushback. There's a lot of people who don't want to do this. And I've had many people quit because of that. And I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. Um, I, I don't want you to go to somebody who's just going to listen to what you're saying, because this is not good. Like, you know, like you really do need to change these habits, but ultimately like, you know, you're not, you have to want to make these changes, but they're so important when people get on that other side. They're like, oh my gosh, for the first time ever, you know, I can have ice cream and now, something like ice cream, like it's so hyper palatable. Like everybody's ever always going to want like the tub, right? Like I'm somebody like that too. Like I could eat a whole tub of ice cream. No problem. Right. (laughs) And not even be super full. I'm just kind of like, all right, I'm a machine, but there's a difference of like, oh my God, I've been thinking all day about the ice cream, like literally like itching. Like I got, I got to have it versus like, man, this was really good, but like, I'm good. Like I had a few scoops and I can move forward. Um, that is such a freeing feeling or being able to go out with your significant other or your friends and like eat something and just come home and like go to sleep, you know, like you didn't have to raid the pantry, you know, you were able to make an adjustment when there was a work lunch or a function. Like that is what is so important. And outside of the very, very few small months that you're doing a competition prep, you should be able to do those things literally at all other points of your life. And if you want to have a, if you want to have a good relationship with food and with yourself, and more importantly, if you are a competitor, if you want to be a successful competitor, you're going to put the time in to do this 
in a non-dieting scenario because that's going to make your contest prep and afterwards that much better. Mm-hmm. I really like this discussion because it's kind of actually just further expanding on what is like a healthy place to be to start a prep in that you should be able to do all these things and not have like you were talking about there, Hattie, it being like a band-aid to go through a prep. Oh, this is the only way like I can get my life back in order and get my shape back in order. You should be able to kind of have these like bumps in the road and get back on that path and that kind of the flexible dieting kind of concept that you're all kind of talking about, like permission to eat, uh, permission to kind of screw up one day, get back on that path. I think that's that those are all great things. Um, and obviously this all spanned from refeeds. And I did want to touch on also diet breaks. So cool. I don't know if this is something that you have all been using or all use, I guess, to define it. I know that's important. So to have like, I guess, a diet break it tends to be seven to 10 days of like increased calories to around maintenance. Is that something you guys are all using? Is it more of a contest prep thing? Or um, I don't know if Holly, you want to start on the diet break? Yeah, um, I guess it's kind of similar to a refeed. Um, but again, it's just a little bit more of a definition. Um, there isn't a huge amount of research um, on the, the topic of maintenance calories, diet breaks, those types of things. Um, so, you know, I think part of what I will talk about is somewhat anecdotal, but there is some evidence too. So, um, the diet break, um, is basically a period in which where you're taking your calories back to your maintenance. So maintenance as defined, you are not going to really see much of a weight change during that that period. Um, I think I will just, before I go further, a lot of people will take a diet break and they'll see some fluctuation in their weight. But I do want to point out that is very normal. Um, You may see a number increase on the scale, but that scale increase is not a reflection of, hey, I just put on a shit ton of fat. It's I've just had some carbohydrate and I've replenished my muscle glycogen stores. And for every gram of carbohydrate I saw, I'm going to put some water on with that too. So there are normal fluctuations in your weight when you do a diet break. Um, but it's nothing that's kind of outside, you know, your normal kind of 2% daily fluctuation. So I think um, the benefits of taking these diet breaks, if we compare them to a continuous diet, so a diet that takes no breaks, it's continuous in nature, you're at a deficit the entire time, um, like we kind of got, got started talking about earlier, and that is that it can help to mitigate um, some of those adaptive responses to being in a deficit Um, And it can also help with helping to retain more of your lean body mass when you're dieting. So you're kind of just coming out for a bit of a breath of fresh air. So there are not only those physiological benefits, but there are also a lot of psychological benefits too. So I think both of you have said, you know, having that refeed or a, a diet break, it kind of gives you something to look forward to. So you can commit to working hard for a short period of time, knowing that you've got this period of maintenance coming up um, where things can be a little bit more relaxed as far as your dietary choices are concerned, but also like it's an opportunity to just feel good training and exercising again. Like it's a bit of an energy restoration. So that's what a diet break is in my mind. Girls, did I miss anything? (laughs) No, that's exactly it. Yeah, the thing with diet breaks and refeeds is is they are very similar, right? I think that, you know, the difference comes from how long is it, right? And, you know, the way that the evidence-based community has kind of delineated it is, okay, refeeds are usually one to three days in nature and a diet break is usually seven, 10, 14 days, right? In reality, it, it kind of goes to what Holly said, it's continuous or non-continuous dieting, right? So oftentimes what I'll do with clients, and this is where that kind of intuitive 
approach with coaching comes in. And this is the most frustrating thing that people don't want to hear, but sometimes it's just a feeling, you know, you're reading the client's feedback for the week and you just have a feeling like, all right, it's time. Like we need to hit, we need to take some kind of a break. Right. So oftentimes what I'll do with people is it'll be like, Hey, let's have three days of these targets, right? Whether it's the refeed targets that they were at, or if they weren't even having a refeed, we try to go up to, you know, proposed maintenance, et cetera, right? We start it for a few days and then I kind of see how somebody feels. Do they feel refreshed? Have they had some good training? Have they had some good, you know, nights of sleep? Or are they kind of like, I'm still really like run down? Well, then I might, if in the context of their contest prep timeline, they have enough time. Okay, let's just finish out the week here. Um, generally how I would like to use diet breaks outside of that situation is really in between shows. And I don't know if we want to call this a diet break, if we want to call this reversing into the show, whatever the hell we want to call it, we're adding calories into the next show. So in a perfect scenario, this is my favorite way of dieting somebody. You know, most people are going to do multiple shows because you don't generally get super lean for just one show unless you're, it's your first season. So let's say you've done your first show and you actually lean enough for the first show. That's the goal. <laughs> then in a perfect world, we're actually going to be able to reverse into the next. I mean, if we could reverse in the first one, that's cool too. But, you know, let's say we have two shows coming up. You know, we're taking those next few weeks to reverse them into the show, diet break, whatever we want to call it. And generally people are going to look so much better. Um, And then afterwards, what I generally find is that the after effect is a little bit easier. It's not a cakewalk because it's always hard after a diet. doesn't matter how much food you could be eating 500 grams of carbs, but if you're stage lean, your shit's going to get rocked after a show. I I don't care what anybody says. It's about, (laughs) (laughs) but eating more food and having a kind of more calm relationship with food and, and having been able to, you know, feel a little bit more satiated for a few weeks and, you know, okay, maybe your sleep is back in check and you have some good training sessions. Your afterwards is generally going to be much better. So that's how I like to use them. Um, I know there's a lot of names that we could throw in there, like diet break, refeed, uh, reverse into the show, whatever it might be. Um, but that's generally how I like to use extended periods of higher calories. Is that like a reduction of the calorie deficit or are you kind of introducing more and more kind of maintenance days to reduce the weekly calorie deficit? It's mostly just, hey, we're going to add a set amount of t- like carbs, generally okay. speaking. For most people, that's what I do because I, I, I diet mostly carb-based athletes. I, I do work with some people who do keto, but it's mostly carbs. So we'll say, all right, we're going to drop cardio X amount and that's going to depend. Some people I have barely doing any cardio when they're prepping other people's bodies respond much better to high cardio. So that's going to really depend, but generally there's going to be some reduction in cardio and generally an increase in carbs. I'm going to start pretty conservative. It's not like, again, for a female, I'm not going to add a hundred carbs. You know, it's going to be, all right, let's maybe have 30 for this week. See where you're at. You know, if you're actually increasing 30 grams of carbs, you might fluctuate a little bit, but it's not going to be anything that's that's uncontrollable into the next show. And then we kind of go from there. There's some people that I've literally reversed up into a show and they're actually eating 300 grams of carbs again and doing, you know, two 30 minute sessions of cardio and they look fantastic and they've maintained their leanness. Is that normal? No. But is that the gold standard? Sure. <laughs> and afterwards, they certainly had to gain body fat back to be healthy again, but they were in a much better place. So that's really the goal is I just kind of start small. Um, I add some kind of chunk of carbs, drop some cardio depending on the individual, and then we just kind of go from there. I've got a question for you, Lauren. Um, so I guess in a situation where you might have a competitor that's literally getting on stage the very next weekend, how might you um, adjust that 
um, strategy versus somebody that maybe has like an uncomfortable four or five weeks in between. Because I know it's it definitely makes a difference. And I think that the listeners would probably love to know because it's likely to happen to them. <laughs> yes. Honestly, back-to-back shows rock. Besides getting the tan off, everything about a back-to-back show is great. Um, or even like two weeks, you know, whatever it might be like putting your shows as close as you can together, I think is mentally so nice because for peak week, for most of us, like you're measuring not just your macros, but now you're measuring water, sodium, everything is like absolutely perfect. So it's really hard to like get in and out of that mindset versus like back to back. So if somebody peaked really well for a show and they have a show the subsequent week, I'll likely repeat their peak week, or that's what we'll start off with the intention of, okay, you probably had a meal out after the show. We go back on peak week, you know, for Sunday. And then if we need to adjust, we will. And if you peaked perfect, then cool. We don't really need to make any adjustments. Um, if it is five, four or five weeks, that kind of very uncomfortable stretch. And I've done those too. It's like, ugh. Um, eight weeks was the worst. I will never do that again. But um, that that's when I'm going to say, okay, hey, you know, Saturday night after the show, go have a meal out. Sunday, a little bit more flexibility. You know, here's some suggestions, but, you know, be more flexible that day. Go out with your family, your friends, whatever. And then Monday, we're going to start with this diet break, reverse into the show. So we're going to have higher targets and we're just going to kind of go from there and hopefully and let them know, okay, the goal is for us to build up. So you're going to be doing less cardio and eating more food into the next show um, while still keeping them mentally like on track. Cause we don't want to lose that like edge of yeah. the diet because sometimes that is the benefit of, of dieting hard is that you're like, well, I'm laser focused on this because I'm eating 70 carbs and I'm doing an hour of cardio every day. Like that's the reality, you know? And sometimes that's actually easier than doing like very little cardio and having like 175 carbs, just as an example, somebody might be like, I don't know if I really feel like I'm dieting anymore. So like, whatever, I just went out to eat and you're like, Whoa, that wasn't the point. (laughs) But again, psychologically you have to see, okay, how does this person respond? Do they do better with lower during the week? And said, I say, okay, three high days, whatever it might be. Or maybe they really like cardio. Okay, we'll keep some cardio in, but we're going to drop the intensity. So yeah. it's really going to depend. But that, I would say for people who are planning shows, and I, I know that this is not a perfect scenario, especially in the climate of 2021 and you know, all the kind of cancellations and everything, try to plan shows that are sort of close together. And I would never recommend, again, I've done this, so I can recommend not to do it. Don't spread them longer than eight weeks apart. Um, it's really hard to stay stage lean for that long because it's not just stage lean for two months. It's like you just dieted for however many months. And my last show, I, my last season, I did this, which, you know, it was great. Um, it was the best I ever looked, but it was pretty brutal. I dieted for nine months total. I did five shows. So I did six months of a prep. I did two shows back to back and then I had eight weeks and then I had three more shows and it was just <laughs> I know I'm looking at Hattie's facial expressions. She's just like, ow. Oh, ow. I'm just going to say, I won't do that again. Um, It was a lot. And, you know, I'm somebody who's obviously done a lot of shows. I have experience in in, in it. So it's not like I was unprepared. Um, But to say, like, I emptied the tank, like, I really emptied the tank so much. I haven't even competed since. So (laughs) Um, I would say that for most people, if you're going to structure a season, and this can be hard for clients who are competing in the NPC, trying to do NPC national shows where you turn pro um, or even shows or even in countries where, you know, like in Australia, there's not a ton. I mean, there's more shows now, but there's kind of like a spring and winter season or right. Like there's 
early in the year and later in the year that gets tough. Um, so I get it. And if you're trying to go for a pro card, you know, like I said, in the beginning, like if you're a competitor, sometimes you have to do things that aren't healthy or the most optimal because that is a competitor, but you have to have an exit strategy too. Right. So, um, you know, Hey, one year I'm going for it. Like I'm in a position, you know, my physique is pro ready. I'm going to just empty the tank this year and I'm going to go for it, but then I'm going to take a year off. Right. You can't go, Oh, well, I didn't make it. Let me go do this again because it doesn't work. I can't have the best of both worlds. So, yeah, that was a really long winded answer. Hey, Pascal here. I just wanted to take the moment to talk about our membership site. Inside, you'll find a thriving forum, an extensive exercise library, courses, presentations, and research reviews. All I need you to do is hit the link in the description below and sign up. No, it sounds like you have definitely been one of those people who has had to learn from your mistakes. I mean, I've done the same thing too. I think I had Worlds uh, with Hattie in the Bahamas. And then eight weeks later, I did Atlantic City Pro Show and it was rough. But um, I think something to kind of add to that was, um, you know, during that time between shows, the goal is like if you came in um, appropriately like lean for your category, then the idea is that you want to try and maintain that physique for the next show or maybe even come a little bit better. So I think I get asked all the time, like, what would my calories look like then between the shows? Like, should I go to this or should I go to this? And like, I don't want to get too much body fat on me in that small period between shows. Um, And there isn't really a set in stone answer to that, because if we look at like anecdotally, I'm really speaking from what I see with people that we work with is that some humans, men and women, have a really adaptive metabolism and some people do not. We call them like responders or non-responders. So for somebody that's just finished a show and they look wonderful and they step off stage and they get back to their, you know, day one of the next five weeks until I get on stage again, they may be able to make a bigger increase on the front end than somebody else who doesn't have an adaptive metabolism. Some people, I have had this happen numerous times where they're taking their calories back up. I've had them back up by like four or 500 and they have been able to maintain that level of leanness throughout that entire kind of gap period before they get back on stage. And now their peak week looks completely different um, because they've been able to have their metabolism adapt back um, to a, a higher level of calories. So that's something that I think we are asked a lot uh, as coaches and the answer, there isn't really um, a set in stone way to respond to that. And you kind of said like, it's a person to person dependent, you know, some people do well with this, some people do well with that. And again, I think just to kind of clarify, like that is because we have different um, responses to calorie increases based on our metabolisms. Really well said. Uh, I think that's everyone wants to grow into the show, right? That's what we're doing here, growing into the show. So, um, but I, I think it brilliantly said, brilliantly said, and actually it's made me think of something that is worth touching on because I, I do see it around on social media and I think it just needs context. And that is like calories and like how low can you go? And sometimes female competitors, like you were saying there, Lauren, like you have, if you want to do get the job done, you have to do something extreme sometimes. And I think calories for females sometimes can come quite low. And I'd just be interested to hear your experience with like, how low have you moved them? How low is acceptable? Because I know there's certain numbers that like can lead to some short-term problems and potentially long-term ones if you don't kind of have the proper kind of protocol after that. So uh, Hattie, uh, what have you seen in, in terms of calories? Have you had to go particularly low with some girls? Yeah, I have. And I was talking about this the other day about, 
you know, we've got the theory and we've got the practical. And unfortunately, sometimes they don't match. And some girls have to go really, really low, like below that 20, 20 um, kcal per body weight and availability, energy availability. And it's tough. It's like really, really rough. And I always ask for consent. Like with my clients, I'm like, right, we've got this many weeks to get here and we have this much fat to lose. It's going to be aggressive. And before we move forward, I just need to know that you're saying yes to this, right? Because at the end of the day, you get girls um, only coach women, but they'll complain that this person's put them on this amount of calories. And thank God I, I haven't had to go lower than 1,200. But, you know, when you've got 1,200 calories and then you're doing cardio and training, like the energy availability is really low. And, and unfortunately, that has to happen for some people, not everyone, but it has to happen. I know, Holly, you've had to diet pretty damn low for your body weight, like to get into a show and, and luckily that you can consent yourself. But when we're working with people, you know, we get people that be like, oh, this person put me on this. And it's like, I always ask to consent with my clients for sure. I'm like, like, this is what's going to happen. This is what we have. And then we've got to get straight out of there. Um, and then other women, like they can be on, I had a girl like on 300 grams of carbs, like pretty much her entire prep, got ready for a show, competed one, got, got a pro card. And I thought you bitch, like, <laughs> <laughs> she did better than me, you know? And, and um, yeah, you've got, and, and, you know, some girls be on 3000 calories in their building phase and have to go to 1400 for their cutting phase. And there's such a huge difference between between what they can maintain at, what they need to build at and what they have to diet at. And so we have these amazing, you know, we've got the theory, right? We've got these numbers that we can use and, we, and we've got these measurements, but there's also the practical and, you know, human bodies, they're not math, they're not mathematical machines. They're, they're, they're machines, right? And so we have adaptive people and we have not, oh, we've got responders and non-responders. Uh, and unfortunately, the the non-responders like we have to go like super super low for for calories and it has to be aggressive and this is where you know competition prep we do it as hell healthy as we can like the, the game I think for all of us women like as healthy as we can but at the end of the day it's not healthy it gets to a point where it's not going to be healthy but can we minimize the time that it's not healthy in? well hopefully like we don't want to be that aggressive from the beginning there might be a period though that you have to, and depending on how long their com- competitive career is in that year, um, you know, how, how they're going at the end of the year is going to be like pretty, pretty tough for some of them. Yeah. I remember last time um, we got on stage for worlds, I think I had to get down to about 1200 calories or just above actually, which is pretty low based on my lean body mass. I think it worked out to be about 19 calories per kilogram of lean body mass, which for anyone that's done that, like it's rough, it's gnarly. You don't want to be there for very long, I assure you. But part of the problem was I had to do that because I am such a sedentary individual. Like, yes, I bust my ass when I'm in the gym and I'm going really hard, but my occupation requires me to stand in front of this computer screen for majority of the day. So, um, you know, there was a bit of a disadvantage for how much time I could get out and do some activity, which would help me in the situation where I needed to create, you know, a bigger deficit. So I'd lose more weight, but I didn't have that luxury at that time. We were just kind of swamped at work and that was the reality. So I think some people have to 
get more aggressive in that situation. And I know a lot of the gals that are doing shows aren't necessarily, you know, in a fitness job. Maybe they're not a trainer or somebody that's got a, you know, a really highly active occupation. Instead, they are like they're an accountant and they sit or like just they're sitting all day. So that really makes a huge difference for how much flexibility, um, you know, somebody can have. But as far as like how low would you take somebody that the numbers that Hattie and I just kind of referred to are in the complete contest prep reverse, sorry, the reverse dieting guide. We've got a really great little table that kind of outlines um, what is a safe amount of calories to take somebody down to without causing them to become like frank deficient in all of the vitamins and minerals or essential fatty acids, because we've got to remember that um, food provides us with nourishment um, and, you know, like essential fatty acids, they are are required for us to build certain hormones. Um, Some of these vitamins and minerals act as coenzymes and substrates for energy metabolism, for how we get fuel into our muscles to move. So, you know, you kind of have to make those decisions, like you said, on the front end to how far am I going to push this um, before you start getting into this healthy unhealthy territory and so many people place a lot of emphasis I think on health just from the physical you know what they look at from the outside in but there is so much more to somebody's health than just the body they are walking around in you know there's your psychological health spiritual health you know physical health is just one part of that uh, puzzle I think something that's interesting from, and I know you opened this question, Steve, with like on social media, you know, we see people talking about being really low calories. And I think that's always been the default, right, for the the industry. But what I think is actually even more damaging is when we were talking about, you know, we're reversing our clients into the show, or, you know, maybe this person is 20 years old, this is the first hard diet they've ever done. And we have these coaches who are showing these pictures, these amazing physiques, look at this girl. She does five minutes of cardio and she eats 300 carbs. Like, look how great she looks. And as we've all discussed and kind of talked about in a roundabout way, getting lean is very different than maintaining leanness, right? You can get, you have to get really aggressive for most people to get lean, but you'd be very surprised at how high you can bring food for a few weeks in order to maintain that. Right. But people see that and then they go, well, why am I dieting on these many carbs? And why am I doing this much cardio? I saw this person's picture and this coach only does this. And it's like, all right, well, there's a lot of factors here. You know, (laughs) you have an extensive dieting history. You're, you know, maybe significantly older than this person, you know, which is generally going to obviously change metabolic rate, hormones, and also dieting history. Um, You know, somebody who's 50 years old is going to have a very different metabolism than somebody who's 20 years old. Likewise, somebody who has a lot of muscle is going to be very different than somebody who's, you know, naturally has less muscle mass um, or, you know, higher ends of body fat ranges. So I think it's, it's really damaging to go into a contest prep and say, you know, how many, how much food can I eat and lose fat? Like, of course, that is our goal. We want to have, we want to make the minimal amount of changes and get the maximum amount of results. But ultimately, like we've all said, this isn't a healthy thing. And this isn't forever. And if you've set yourself in a position with a healthy off season, and also you have a good exit strategy from the show, if you're not willing to get aggressive on a diet with either the calorie restriction or the cardio output, it's probably not the sport for you. So instead of asking those questions, you know, obviously again, within reason, within safety, like I'm not saying I start people off with 50 carbs on a diet, like that's not what we're doing, 
But at some point, you're likely going to have to get to a pretty aggressive deficit. Um, and when you hear those calorie numbers too, which is always, I always want to interject this too, because you always hear popular culture talking like, oh, I eat 1200 calories. And I'm like, yeah, of carbs and fats, like add 1200 calories with pro like high protein. It's a very different story with what is yeah. left. You know what I mean? Like 1200 calories looks very different when you're eating 165 grams of protein too. <laughs> like now <laughs> this is a little bit more lean with what else we get to have. So I just think it's a really important discussion to go into and say, okay, how can I bulletproof myself like physically and mentally before and after? And then, you know, obviously get through this period, hopefully with not tons of cardio and, you know, a decent amount of calories, but ultimately if I'm a competitor and I'm doing a competition to be a competitor, I'm willing to push. And I, you know, you said the best word, Hadi, was, you know, you need to talk to these people. You need to have them consent to it. Um, you know, don't just send an email back and be like, Oh, well, this isn't working. You better hit 40. You know, they're like, Whoa, you know, you'd have to have this discussion and say, listen, this is going to be hard. We need to set all these things in place so that you, you know, and then if, you know, most of the time, if the people who are doing it for the right reasons, they're like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And then you just deal with it afterwards. But, you know, you don't do, you don't do that and then not have an exit strategy and then gain 30 pounds and then diet again. You know, like that's not how this works. <laughs> yeah. And it's like in and out. It's like you get, get in and get out. Like, um, I think that's, yeah, an important thing to touch on. And it's not starting at those aggressive calories. Like I always say to my girls, I'm like, get the most out of your macros, get the most out of these macros. I'm like, stop making it harder for yourself. Stop nibbling over here because like you can push these, these macros as far as you can. And then once you plateau, then we, then we, then we have to make an adjustment. And a plateau for me is like, people get so upset when they plateau, but I'm like, that just means we exhausted everything over here. And now we need to change something to, to get a, a new response. And so, um, I think, uh, what I found as well with working with a lot of women, women is they're like, I can go lower. I'm like, that's not the point. Like, you know, it's oh, like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. So it's say that again, Holly. Oh, I think a lot of women think that under eating their calories is a good thing. I'm like, no, yeah. no, I want to die no. on as high calories as possible. <laughs> yeah. Cause eventually things are going to get really tricky. Yeah, um, trust me, wait a few months. We'll get there. Yeah. And, and actually for some women pulling back on exercise. Oh my gosh. Like pull, That's like a whole different women, podcast, but yeah. <laughs> it's just like, wow. They did, they did like it's yeah it's pulling pulling back and exercise and eating some more carbohydrates can be really tricky for women I've, I've the amount of people who think they need to train every day is absolutely insane now i think that most people would do better in their life if they had some kind of activity on a daily basis but that could look like going for a walk you know what i mean we have most of our clients actually do like four day trainings but sometimes five you know but the reality is most people that i'm working with have a career and a family and a life and all this stuff and you can get actually so much out of just a few really hard days of training and then actually giving your body time to recover Recovery. especially yeah. if you're in a contest prep where you're so underrated and you're likely doing cardio you know what i mean so it's just people are like well can i train more it's like do you have all these other things going on? Like last time I checked, you know, you weren't a professional athlete who had the luxury of, you know, you wake up, you work out, you like go to a recovery center, you're eating else. Like, you know, you're, you're not Michael Jordan. So you're not gonna be able to train three times a day. Like if that's what you want to do, like this is again, a very, that's, but that's not your life. So that would be cool, but that's not what we can do right now. Um, so I think, especially for a physique athlete, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, you see people, you know, high level, um, athletes in other, uh, types of sports, right. They're training a lot differently. And it's like, well, they're also fed 
you know, if they're doing it properly, you know, if you see a CrossFit athlete training, doing three short workouts a day, those people are generally fueling themselves. So they're not eating 1200 calories and doing those three workouts. You know, it's just, it's a totally different sport. So performance and sport is very different than physique sports. That is mostly based on the physique. So, you know, let's get the most out of the least. Let's do several hard days of training and actually give your body rest. Hi guys, Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we pride ourselves on providing personalized service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level. If you're interested, check the description and sign up. You know, just on that, Lauren, um, I think where a lot of people fall down is that they, they, for general population, lifestyle clients, they think they have to do a contest prep diet to get in shape. But it, it doesn't have to be like that. And that's why I think there's got to be a separation, but we don't know what we don't know. And I think because there's so much popularity in, in competition prep, like our conversation's really gone towards competition prep. But for lifestyle clients, it's like they can have so much more balance and so much more flexibility and, and way less pressure and way less exercise actually and, and possibly more food than what a, a, a contest prep person would be. And, and I would take that. I would take that and run as, as best as I could. So, um, you know, I think you know, one of the best tools that anyone could learn is to track them, track, track their food mm-hmm. and learning what energy deficit and essentially the principles of, of fat loss is. And then you can use it to whatever diet you want to do. And, yeah. and tracking macros, you can do keto if you want to track your macros into keto. You can do whatever you want. But tracking macros is such an amazing tool and it's such a great tool for lifestyle clients right? Because it doesn't have to be this really rigid approach and, um, you know, working towards a, a holiday goal or a photo shoot goal, which again, when you go on holiday, you don't want to be that all or nothing. You, you've learned how to track your food with that flexibility. So when you go on holiday, you've learned how to have on track meals if you want, or you have a rough idea of what calories you can actually consume in a week without fucking it all up, which we've, probably all done in the past you know um and and that's a really amazing learning tool that anyone can can use for the rest of their life like if we're looking at sustainable sustainable approaches um being able to get into shape that we want to live in in a body that we want to live in well those are the tools that are going to allow you to get there yeah i feel a lot more comfortable in my off-season body now than i did years ago and but it has taken a lot of work to get there but heck yes, like the amount of flexibility that I have uh, with my food choices. Um, I don't have to do all of those grueling cardio. Like I do zero cardio, like I do zero cardio. Uh, I think my daily steps are about 3000 unless I do a planned walk and I'll, you know, I might try and get outside and get some fresh air on the weekends, but I've scaled back my training and Lauren, you were talking about, you know, uh, what's the maximum you can get out of the minimum number of sessions. So I used to be doing six days of training, which was physically and mentally fatiguing. Like when you only have one true recovery day, that's really hard on your body. So like I only train four days a week now. They're a little bit longer, but now I've got three days where I'm completely out of the gym. I can spend time with the family, kids. I can do whatever it is I want. And it definitely feels like a better sense of balance, but I'm still really happy with my physique. I don't need to be stage lean to feel good about myself. Like this is a good space. So I think um, more people should strive to that, Hattie, like what you're talking about. You know, there's a difference between contest prep 
and uh, gen pop, just people wanting to lose a few pounds and feel really good and comfortable in their skin. I think um, just on that, like recovery is so underrated. <laughs> like training four days a week, even for me, that would be like, oh, that would feel so scary. Stripping back from six to five, you know, took a lot of time for me. Um, but even now there are periods in the training training year that four, yeah, that's that's enough. And I think, um, again, people in particular, women love to be extreme, like amazing hard workers, like incredible high achievers. Like I think I love working with, with women because they are just that. They're just these incredible, incredibly fierce, you know, uh, humans. Um, but it can be at the detriment to their own progress and to the detriment of their own health. And I think we've all been there. Uh, and it's a learning process. Like I've been, you know, training for 14 years and to be where I am now, like it's 14 years of work on a mental level and a physical level. I think people really underestimate what they can do in a year, you know, and, and overestimate what they can do in six weeks. And so, you know, selling long-term success isn't sexy. You know, they look at, I'm sure like, uh, you know, people would look at all of us and go, oh, that's just happened so quickly, but we've put, so much work into the physical, but also into the, into the internal, right. That relationship with food, which we've all battled with. I don't know about you, Steve, you haven't heard much from you around the the relationship side of things, but, um, (laughs) you know, as women, like we've all battled eating disorders and, and what we learned from that is, Hey, the relationship with self and food is actually a really important thing. And it's a, it's a failing forward. It's a failing forward process, isn't it? You know, so, um, you know, what I would say is like, take your time with yourself and take your time with your, with your, with your physique, like it's, it's patience. It's, it's time under the bar. It's time learning. It's, it's, um, trialing different things. It's giving yourself more recovery, sometimes pulling back for some people, it's doing a little bit more, um, and finding a strategy or a process. I call, I call, I'm um, tracking my food self-respect. Like I'm, this is, I'm so, this is self-respect, like tracking my food, getting all my nutrients in, getting lots of food in training. That's all a level of self-respect. I get to enjoy the body that I'm in. I get to feel strong. I get to explore it. Actually not competing for the first time in like eight years was a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. um, to the point where I think, oh, oh, do I really want to diet again? Like I'm loving where I am now. But that, again, took time, right? Just because you're not there doesn't mean you're not going to get there, especially if you're continuing to, to learn about yourself and to continuing, continuing that self-development road of process or routines that are self-respect and, and um you know, respecting your goals and where you really want to be. Yeah, I think um, something that you both mentioning before is about you know decreasing your training. Like, ooh, like that's a that's a hard thing. What we actually can get away with um, as far as like maintaining our muscle mass is actually pretty cool. Um, there have been quite a few studies that have come out on this, and you can basically. So they were looking at uh, in this particular uh, randomized control style, they were looking at. Um, young people versus old people um, and they had a, a control group where they did no training at all then there was a group that did about a third less of their training and then there's another group that did a ninth of their normal training volumes and what is super interesting is that the young group so the young people that were doing a third less actually still saw strength and hypertrophy um, improvements over a 16-week trial period and the group that did a ninth of their normal training volumes actually still maintained their muscle so like once you've got it mm. once you've done the work like that's half the reason why I only do four sessions now I'm like yep I put in all that work like I've done my hard time I'm backing off I can maintain and now I feel like I have that sense of balance but that mm. took time guys like it mm. didn't 
happen overnight. So I think, again, looking at like someone's training age and their training experience and where they're at with their level of muscularity, like all of those things kind of play into it, especially when you're just looking at someone on their social media and like, oh, Mm -hmm. how come she can get away with doing like nothing? Or, you know, this person might have significantly more training years in them and they don't need to do that initial work phase. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's so individual. (laughs) And do you, did your goals change, right? You know, everybody here has expressed not competing anymore, right? And that doesn't mean that we're never going to compete again, but that means that we also had different goals. So for me, I started doing jujitsu over a year ago and I decided that, you know, I love competing, but I'm not going to do that right now. And while I love, you know, training to have a better physique, I also am now going to be doing something that's very, very physically different. And my training should probably reflect that if I want to go all in and I actually did a competition in that area. So I completely changed my training. I went to three days a week of full body and I started doing like real plyometrics, like not the jumping on the box, but real plyometrics. I know you guys all know, but, um, you know, so jump training, some strength training, a little bit of hypertrophy, some conditioning work. And yeah, you know, over the past year, my physique, I haven't, gotten more jacked right like I don't look like oh my gosh the physically like most superior version of me but I was in (laughs) like for training and for what I was trying to do and accomplish because I didn't need more strength necessarily that wasn't an attribute I needed to work on for jujitsu right that's already there for me so I think it's also important too to go okay did my goals change you know and if you're deciding to go from something that you haven't been you know you've been kind of maintaining and you want to go build your physique. Yeah. You might need to go do more than what you've been doing. But also if you're like, you know what I have, I have like work goals right now. Like I have career goals that I'm focusing on, or I'm going back to school. Like I'm kind of putting a pause on physical growth right now. And I'm doing this to maintain the physique that I have because I love, enjoy training. You know, I'm self-respecting myself by being you know physically active, but maybe I'm going to go down to, you know, if I went from six days to four days because now school is a little bit more important so I think it's important for people to really recognize okay what are my goals right now and actually being realistic with that because as much as I'd love to say yes go back to school and have a you know physical goal and have a financial goal and how it's like there's only so many things that you can do successfully at once and if you really want to dive into something that's going to be a big change you need to be willing to make some concessions other places and kind of maintain there I think just this chat in general has been great in that it's gone many different directions, but it's just about like flexibility. Like I I love that. It all comes down to kind of having the education and the confidence that you're not going to just suddenly kind of gain a load of fat if you're off one day or you're going to lose all your muscle if, I don't know, COVID hits and you have two weeks off the gym or something. There's kind of, it's easy to get back as long as you're in a healthy place and you're kind of psychologically healthy, physically healthy, all these different relationships all intertwine and come into it. So we haven't like dug incredibly deep into like macros and like all these other things that we could dig into for fat loss. And I'm going to have to drag you all back on to do this again because it's been, I think this will go down incredibly well. I'll be very surprised if it doesn't go down very, very well because it's been really great hearing you all talk about it. It's been kind of the surface level of like all the considerations around calories and before you even think about going and dieting, are you in a good place right now? And then setting yourself up, like we talked about taking calories, how low would you go? It's like, well, we've already talked about, you have a plan, you're already in a healthy position. Like you have all of these things in place that will allow that to be the healthiest possible place to be and end up. And then we're, of course, hopefully talk about a reverse diet at some point, but I want to respect everyone's time. We've been talking for quite a while, um, but I want to make sure people know where to reach out to every single one of you. So 
I don't know if you want to start, Holly. Where should people reach out if they want to reach out and hear more from you? Longest I think I've ever talked in my life. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Instagram uh, and YouTube are my two most predominant platforms. So um, they're both the same thing. It's Holly T. Baxter. Um, we have our new Carbon Diet Coaching app. That's joincarbon.com. Uh, and we have a bunch of books and good, good educational resources available for you guys online. So you can find all of that if you just go straight to either of my YouTube or Instagram. And thank you for having us. This has been awesome. Oh, good. Hattie, where should people reach out for you? Instagram is Hattie Boydell. My online coaching for Instagram is sport, the Sports Bottle Project. And my website is www.sportsbottleproject.com. Awesome. Lauren? All right. So our website is teamlocofit.com. Uh, I would say that we put most of our information now on our team podcast. So it's all on the website where you can go to Team Local Fit Roundtable. We put out two episodes a week. And then my Instagram is my name, L-A-U-R-I-N-C-O-N-L-I-N. And then the team page is just at Team Local Fit. Amazing. I'll make sure that that's all linked below so people don't have to like pause and search for you there immediately. But um, <laughs> It's great to yeah have those resources. And like I said, I, I think this chat is going to go down incredibly well. And I just want to say a massive thank you to having you all on. And yeah, hopefully we can arrange like a, a part two or maybe this will be in two and we'll arrange a part three and four at some stage. I'm down. Thanks so much, Steve. This, this cool. is awesome. Ladies, it was so great to talk with you. So this was fun. So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Flor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger, to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people. Uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically, we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is going to be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there. You can ask questions, but also you can, you can lock your journey. There's also going to be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics. Discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're gonna have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We kept them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're gonna be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.